You're listening to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warrillow, and I have another great guest lined up for you today. Someone who is doing incredible work in the world, and I can't wait to introduce you to her. But before we enjoy a deep conversation together, I want to remind you why we're here. This podcast is about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, purpose, impact, and prosperity for all. We want to encourage you to think a little wider about your own life, from your personal and professional development to also ask the question, how can I make a meaningful impact with my life? It's time for us to find a way to live in resonance with each other and all living things. And at Sacred Changemakers, we're here to help, to build the foundations of a more equitable, loving and resonant world. But first, a word to our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Coaches Business School, the world's leading business training for coaches and consultants, helping them to succeed in business so they can make a meaningful difference in our world. Go to coachesbusinessschool.com to get the tools, strategies, and frameworks you need to enjoy growing your business in a way that is profitable, predictable, and purpose-driven. And a big thank you to all of our coaches, because without them, this wouldn't be possible. Okay, so our guest on the podcast this week is Vera Oye Yaana, affectionately known as Auntie Oye, a Liberian-born acclaimed master storyteller who transports her audience to West Africa through imaginary interactive storytelling. She is the founder and executive director of Oye Palava Hut, a 25-year-old established cultural arts organization that integrates storytelling performances with the culinary arts to focus on physical and emotional wellness. She tours nationally and internationally, presenting her dynamic programs that include high-energy African dance and the traditional djembe drums. This energetic cultural educator's performance are designed to celebrate diversity. She is a full-time DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities Fellowship Program recipient. So welcome to the podcast, Vera. Or should I call you Auntie Oye? (laughs) Yes, Auntie Oye, I'm much more comfortable with that. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. I've taken a look at your work in the world and it's just incredible what you're doing. So I do want to get into that. But before I do, I'd love to ask you just like a simple question, like our listeners have heard your professional bio, but I wonder if you could just explain something about the real life human that is behind that bio. Who is she? Well, I am a very excited, high energy person. I enjoy, um, I'm a very curious person. I'm curious about the planet. I'm curious about my neighborhood. I'm curious. I have this shy like curiosity. I always want to see on the other side, what's behind that tree, what's, you know? And so that curiosity keeps me thinking. So I'm one of the, I'm a meditator. So I love to meditate. I do yoga, so I'm a yogi, I teach. And I just like, I, you know, to, to be in a wonderful, exciting world. I, I want to always be engaging people. I want to learn. I want to learn until I die. The way I would like to go out, I want to work until I die. And I, then I want to take two hours from my funeral. And then I want to come back and start <laughs> all over again. <laughs> that is I a zest to, for life, Vera. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to continue. I don't want to quit. right oh my gosh I can feel your energy when you talk it's not just the words that I'm hearing I you actually radiate love in some way which is just so like attractive to me it's just amazing it really is I'm just happy to be alive I'm I'm happy and I'm grateful there's a lot of gratitude Mm. that I have this opportunity Everything is given to you by the divine. And I'm happy to be in the world 
And I'm most especially happy to share this with people. Lovely. Now, our title for our conversation today is Inspiring Change Through Community Storytelling. And I know in many ways that lies at the heart of what you do. But I'd love to know something about your own life story, your own journey that brought you to this work. Well, I'm from Liberia, West Africa. And in West Africa or all over Africa, you learn to tell stories at a very early age. So about three years old, though you'll get up and you'll tell us that they'll ask you, oh, well, so what's your story today? Well, well what have you done? What have... And you get up and you start off with once upon a time. And then the people around you will say time. And then you begin. And sometimes as you're telling the story, you forget. Because remember now, you, you have a child's mind. You know, the attention span is limited. But if you forget, you just say the end. Mm. And then everybody will applaud. And it's the applause that you hear that helps you to keep retelling stories. And so we have a communal space. Even when you're eating, so we're telling stories about the food, about your day. So storytelling is a big part of our life in our culture. And so doing this in America, you know, what I found out, wherever you are, you'll be doing what you're supposed to do. I, I came to America because we had a civil war in 1990 in Liberia. So I came back to America. And um, so I used to be an entrepreneur, businesswoman. I had successful businesses. I even worked with the uh, United Nations, UNIDO organization, United Nations Industrial. And I was a marketing person in Liberia, teaching small and medium scale enterprises how to manufacture and sell their goods. And so when I came, Everybody, most people didn't know much about Africa or Liberia. So I figured, okay, I'll prepare food just as we do and invite people and they will come over and I'll tell the story. And I, then I found out, I mean, by nature, I'm a theater buff. Mm -hmm. But then they were telling me, oh my God, you're an actress. And I said, actress. I'm not, I mean, <laughs> oh my God, when are you going to go on stage? And these people went bananas. I said, they're crazy. I'm a businesswoman. <laughs> and that's what happened. So I found myself organizing. I'm a great organizer. I love to organize things. So I organized dinner theaters. What I, in Los Angeles, so what I did uh, I told one country, once I found out, okay, I will educate them, but in a very informal, nice, entertaining way that they wouldn't know that they're in a classroom. Right. So I would make dinner, be a dinner theater. So I feature one country, say I'm featuring Liberia. It would be the food, the music, the fashion, and the people. And, and that, that, that was very, very, very successful. Uh, I, you know, I, I was amazed, but it, it came naturally. So that's, so I started. And so that was in Los Angeles. I was invited to come to um, Washington, DC to do a performance for Bill Clinton inauguration, but it didn't happen. And I was too embarrassed to return to LA. And so I stayed and gradually found my way into doing this for children and for adults. Because the sad thing, most adults think storytelling is only for children. Everyone is a storyteller. Mm -hmm. Everything is a story. The lyrics. The, the, the physical movement, the dance, everything is. And so just to get adults to be able to tell their own stories. Mm. 
Because as I told them, if you don't tell your story, someone will tell it for you. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you've mentioned there that you work with children. And um, one of the things I want to say is I really want to talk to you about that because here at Sacred Changemakers, we talk a lot about change. And I am going to say to you, you're the only person I've had on the podcast so far that that is empowering children in this way. Because often when we think about changing the world and healing the world, we think of adults doing it. We don't think about empowering our children. So what is it that drew you to children? Because Because I'm a child. I'm a child (laughs) myself. You know, I I, I, I just have maybe a dog-looking body. But in Italy, I'm a child. We we all are learning. You're still in the learning. We all are children in the learning process. And so I relate, and they relate to me because uh, they see themselves in me like I see myself in them. And what I found out, my mother told me years growing up, whenever you go to a village and if you get lost, look for a child and ask them for directions. And they will tell you, they will, they will take you to it because children don't, don't have any bias. They don't have biases. They don't come with, with, with uh, stereotyping. They don't come with any of that. And so they'll just take you. They like to be helpful. Mm-hmm. The other thing I saw in Washington, D.C., true stories. The children became my mentor. I couldn't find adults to mentor me. So I said, let me ask the people who know everything, the children. And I, I asked them, since I was saying trained as a teacher, my background of degrees in marketing. So I asked the children, can you please teach me how to teach you? Mm. And they said, okay. So we start, oh, what would you like to do? Well, can you take, take us to Africa? Yes. What would you like to see when we get to Africa? They wanted to go to the zoo. They wanted to play with animals. Okay, what else? They wanted to wear nice clothes. Yeah, so the children, until this day, when I go to a new space or a new program, I ask the first thing, where are the children? Because I want a couple of kids to sit there with me making decisions. Ask them. They know things. Believe you me. As if you have a child, ask them. They will come up with some ideas for you that will really send you over the world. They they have things in their mind, but you have to ask them to bring it out. So I I ask them all the time, uh, what, what do you think I should do? One time I was trying to do a fashion show and I asked uh, the eight-year-old, I said, so what do you think I should do? She says, let's do a fashion show about the earth. I said, like, how are we going to do this? Well, one person would be the sun. You wear something and come and say, I'm the sun. Another person would come as the moon. Somebody would come as a tree. From a child. Wow. Children wow. have given me recipes. Mm. Children... They have given me three jobs. They have gone home and told the parents, this woman, you know, you got to hire her. And yeah, children, I listen to them all the time. Anytime I want, before we have the program, what do you want me to do? What would you like for me to do? How do you want me to do this? Two or three of them, and they'll tell me where, you know, I mean, they will give you 50 ideas. You have to work because the lecture. <laughs> you always the other thing, I had never heard a child say to me, oh, that is too difficult. Never. Have you ever heard a child say it's difficult? No. I don't think so, no. I've never heard it. No. They just, oh, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. <laughs> Seems there's a lot we can learn from children. My goodness. Yeah. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. I'm so excited that the big man is like, they jump, oh, let's do it. You know, so I start jumping up. 
I have never, never, ever, all these years, I've never heard one child say it's difficult. Now, the children often ask me, why did you come to America to teach us? Because you like us. I say, yeah, that too, but my ancestors told me to come. They told me to come to Washington because many, 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 many years ago, they did the build all the big buildings. They did a lot of work, but the people forgot to pay them. So they told me to come for the money. So I came. Now, do you think I have the money? And they always shake their head. No. I said, what do you mean? Because you're teaching us. And then at that point, every child is looking in their pockets for a penny, for a nickel. <laughs> Here, yeah, yes, the pay, yes, your pay. <laughs> oh my God. Always giving me gifts. But listen to what they're saying about the culture here in America. Yes. If you are a teacher, you don't have money. It's like they see themselves at the bottom of the ladder. There you go. Everywhere I've gone, even the well-to-do school, everywhere I ask that question and I get the same answer. And at that point, the kids rally around me. I, I, you know, I, I'm so blessed to know that they're the best people I've ever met in my life. And it pains me when I see people abuse them because, you know, when you, when you have a six year old walk up to you and say, thank you for everything you do for us. I mean, listen to the vocabulary. Listen, listen to this. I mean, wouldn't you just want to just work for them? And guess what? I'm working, I, I don't care about the money. Sometimes I forget that I have to be paid. I forget. Right. Like, oh, oh, I should. <laughs> I'm having so much. Yeah, people say, but you're not doing this for money. No, I'm not. No. I'm doing it for the pure pleasure of enjoying myself. I'm having so much fun that what I do. I'm just grateful that I, I, I do what I do. I, I'm so happy that I, the best people on earth, they, they, I mean, they're just nice people. Mm. So tell us about the work you do with them, Vera, because I know that. So when I was looking through your website and everything, the, I got this image and, it, and I'd love to kind of share it with you. It was almost like I saw you planting seeds with these children. It was almost like they were the seeds and you were sending them back into their families, into their communities with this like storytelling kind of capacity now that they had. And they were sharing and and bringing a different, I'm going to say energy because I don't really have another word for it, into their family, into their community that inspires difference, change in some way. Am am, Am I off the mark there or does that like resonate no no you're right on because you see like i said that's the change agents that's the people yeah i mean if if we don't empower them now when will we right one of the things i found out recently uh since the pandemic uh reading skills have gone down because they've been watching everything uh you know and so what i got karaoke set where you get up and you sing and and so we're just getting them to introduce themselves my name is Mary Jane that is the power they're starting off with and for the the ones who are shy so what I did so they get you give them a microphone and they can hear the voices so because they can, the sound system is there. And when they start speaking slowly, then they go, oh my God, yeah. Then they start yelling. <laughs> <laughs> because then they're into the realization, oh my God, my voice is booming in this room. And so when you can get them that power to stand up and introduce who they are, Believe you me, you see them blooming 
the the low ones who got you know can't talk you know low sound and then the next time in three weeks that shy person becomes the leader my name is you know the, uh, and when they put on the chef's uniform, they go to Paris for some reason. My name is Chef Marcel. They get these French names in their head. And I'm, I'm looking at Mary now. She's Chef Mary. <laughs> 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 and so it that is the, one of the most powerful tools I have in my kit is that chef jacket. So they put it on, they put it to, and they, they, they're gone. So more and more, and you get the children to share their thoughts with you. So what are you thinking? Another program I recently introduced is jazz appreciation. Because I found out that they used to have lots of music. They no longer have lots of music in the school. So we had a, a program, Mardi Gras program. And the children, in fact, I will send you the clip and you'll see that. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Yesterday, I had my feedback. Like all my programs, I get feedback for them. Okay, John, can you please tell me what did you think? And they want to say it was great. No, 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 no. I need more than that. You just can't tell them it's a great. I need a sentence. I need more words. Oh, it was fun. Okay, that's one word. I enjoyed. That's two words. Usaka. <laughs> yes, I said, just to get them to try to make the sentences. And that's, that's how you do it. You build on that. And then they become very expressive. And they share that with you because a lot of them have, you know, uh, they, they, they're timid. And, and so you just got to help them along. But basically, children, what I found out about them, they want to be very helpful. And they all love their parents. Every time we're preparing something that's unusual. May I please, can you fix the bowl for me to take home to my mother, my aunt or somebody? So we have dishes that they can take home because, and then they want their parents to know that they have cooking skills. Mm -hmm. uh, once upon a time, I met a young man. He was five years old, but like going on 20, very old spirit. And uh, he uh, liked to cook. He loved uh international food like couscous he loved that and so I would bring sometimes I would go with the adults teach the adults how to make these dishes I sent home recipes but if you want to I can come to your kitchen and teach you or you can come to mine a lot of people, kitchens are not adequate and I don't want them to feel bad so you can you can come to mine so this kid and his mom came. Now, he was seven years old then, and the mother was teaching him. He says, mother, I've been cooking since I was five. Now I'm seven. <laughs> <laughs> I just told her, just leave the boy alone. He says, and he was a mother. I've been cooking since I was five. Now I'm seven, okay. Now he's 14 now. <laughs> so he will come and speak to the other, the group of kids I work with to tell them about his experience working with me. Yeah, so it, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. I, I truly am so grateful for the opportunity to do what I do. Believe you, babe. It's lovely. And, and I mean, like feeling your energy as you talk about your work, it's, it's really unusual to find someone who is so passionate about what they do. And I, I'd love to know, like, in terms of a bigger vision for your work, I mean, what's your why? I mean, what is this work in service of? What's that vision that you have? Because when I'm, when I'm listening to you, Vera, I'm really getting that you're not just teaching cooking skills or, you know, karaoke or how to tell stories. 
there's an underlying kind of energy of love and soul and a depth of empowerment that I think is very rare for our children to experience these days. So I'd love to get your sense of, you know, what is this in service of for you? Well, what, what I would like to say one day, I want to train young people, say not my six year old, but teenagers. Mm. I want them to go into their communities and be storytellers. I want them to go in the communities and be uh, nutrition educators to teach because fast food is killing people, obesity. So if you can teach the children at an early age, I want these kids who would learn to go into their communities and teach other the elders and other people. So yes, I work also with the parents, but I don't live there. I only work there. So I want people who live in the community. Like one of the things I, I, I taught one group of kids, because all of the children that work with, especially the teens, kids from, the, from 10 years to 17, they have to come up with a community project. And one community project, they would pick up the trash in the neighborhood from one end of the street to the other end. And then on Saturday, I took them to have brunch in a restaurant. What I found out also, a lot of children did not have dining etiquette. So I'm teaching you in a classroom, but now we need to go and practice in public. And so that, that would be the stipend I'm paying for lunch for them. The other thing that is doing is helping them to come familiar with other neighborhoods because what poverty does, it isolates you. Mm. And once you're isolated, you don't wait until you become an adult to know about your neighbor who's only three miles away from you. But I live, uh, Washington, D.C. is a segregated place. So you've got people across the bridge. White people have not gone across the bridge. Black people have not gone across the bridge. And so I'm bringing the children. I don't want them to become adults before they find out what Capitol Hill is like. Right. I want them to know now and that they, they can come here, you can come to this space. But a lot of them, their whole lives, they, they think their, their, their lives are just in that space. I want them to go out. I don't want to take them to Africa. I just want to take them to the, another neighborhood. Mm. I want them to see what it's like. And so I have lunch with them, brunch with them, and then we stroll. We go to the museums, we go to different places, but it's necessary to give people that exposure. Mm. If you haven't been taught to sit in and eat in a restaurant, how will you know it? If you haven't been taught to boil water, how will you know? You have to be taught. Mm. And that's what I'm doing, just teaching them. I want them, this is the richest country on on earth. I want them to feel a part of this. Yeah. I don't want them to be isolated. Right. When you said that, I got goosebumps when you said, I just want them to feel a part of this. Yes. I, do. I mean, it's I just amazing that we live in a world where people don't feel a part no, of they where don't. they live, you know? And I love how I, I got this image of, it's almost like you know, when we open a storybook, we enter into a different world. But yes. you're doing this in life. You're actually giving people access that wouldn't normally necessarily feel they have that access, you know, for yeah. whatever reason. But now it's like you're not just opening the storybook. You're opening the neighborhoods nearby. You're opening the world to them so that you're expanding their horizons, and I love that. 
Vera, that is yes, so we, important. But that's who I am. I am, you know, a bridge, uh, uh, bridge builder. I am, right. I am a community person. Remember in Africa, that's how I grew up with. I, I, you know, and I'm not saying we didn't have tribalism like you have uh, uh, racism and all of that, but I, I never felt isolated, but I see what these children feel. I see it. I'm here with them. Uh, and I, I don't want that to happen to them. Why should that happen? So the only way to do is exposure. You got to expose them. Now, how, uh, how did I met kids who have never used a fork? Right. Because they've been picking up everything. If all you eat is hamburger and hot dogs, I mean, how will you know that a fork is used for certain things? A lot of them didn't know where to put the napkins. Like I said, yeah. you have to be taught. Yes. I have to teach them. You don't put your foot in a chair in a restaurant. And when you go into the restaurant, you don't take chips, you don't take water, you don't take pizza with you, you know what I'm saying? Yes. They have to be taught. So, yeah. and, and I'm grateful that they can ask me anything you want, anything you want. They all have my phone numbers. They can call me anytime, anytime, call me whatever you need and I can do it. Yeah, I used to wonder, but I had these kids who called me mom. You said you're my auntie, right? Yeah. Well, we didn't eat this morning. <laughs> but why didn't you eat? Well, my mother didn't give me any food. Oh, really? Where's your mother? She's not here because I want to ask the mother. And uh, invariably, you know, they have some, uh, you know, not so true, but yeah, I would take them to the restaurant. But, and then I have restrictions. You cannot eat hot dog. You cannot eat hamburger. You cannot eat anything that you have eaten before. Wow. You have to look on the menu and pick something different. Mm. If you want, somebody told me, oh, I have to drink soda. Good, you pay for it. I want you to drink water. You will not drink soda. You drink these things all day at your house. No, you're not. I'm not. I'm not paying for water for for soda. And so you have these restrictions, and and, and they know you want to hang out with me. These are my rules. And again, that. I just want to expose them to the reality. Yeah, but it seems like you're almost co-creating a different reality for these children and, and, and showing them that it's okay. Because underneath what you're teaching here and telling me through the stories that you're sharing here so lovely, you know, is also some, like it rests on diversity and inclusion. It rests on equity and equality. And, and yet you're not using those terms, but that's the essence. They're the threads I can hear coming through you know, what, you, what you're teaching here. Yeah, because you see, I'm only teaching what I know. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm teaching my experience and because right. I see the need for it. If you tell me that you were born three miles from Capitol Hill, but you've never been right. on the hill, how is that possible? Because you're a kid, so some some adults should have taken you, but nobody took you. So then I'll be that person, I'll carry you. And, and same thing for adults. A fear, fear prevents people from coming together. You know, fortunately, because I'm African, I speak to everybody. Most times they don't answer me, that's okay. I'm speaking because that's my culture. That's what I was taught. And I, I know a lot of the, the children say, oh, they taught us not to speak to strangers. <laughs> I say, yeah, you're right. But in Africa, we didn't have that. <laughs> you speak to anybody. <laughs> but they're right. But the children reminded me, they told us not to speak to strangers. So we can. So, and I understand. Can you walk us through some of these African values that kind of are embedded in your in your life and your work here that you don't see here in America? That kind of is threaded through what you're doing here. 
Because I, of course, is, I'm not from Africa, so I don't right. know. <laughs> the first thing is respect. Lovely. That's a self-respect. You have to respect yourself. Then our elders, major part, you have to respect your elders. You have to respect your space. You have, and, and the thing is, you have to be honest with your situation. What they tell us, speak the truth always. Nobody can eat you alive, meaning yeah. <laughs> speak, speak your truth. And no matter if you don't have two dimes to knock together, you have yourself. And you have to be proud of who you are. You have to tap yourself on the shoulder. You did a good job. If nobody is there, mm -hmm. and if all comes to the worst, then get on your knees and pray. Pray for guidance. Pray for peace. And just try to be decent, a decent human being to somebody else. And these are the things, you know, and I have those strong values that won't let you be. It wouldn't leave you because that's, that's how I grew up. Like, I am surprised a lot of children today do not know the Lord's prayer right. or any prayer. So what we do before we eat Somebody would say the grace or say something. That's how I was brought up. Yeah. Now, if you're Muslim, that's fine. You say your prayers. Yeah. But if everybody, you sit around the table and somebody says the grace before you begin to eat. A lot of the kids don't have that. Most of them don't have tables. And I said, that's okay. Put a nice, clean the area, put a nice cloth down and you can sit on the floor and eat. So if you don't, but don't stand up and eat because you will not digest the food easily. And I want you to be mindful and respectful of the food because it was given to you by a divine. And these are basic things, you know, a lot of, and, and you, we take them for granted, but a lot of people don't know this. Yeah, it's that common sense, isn't it? That's very uncommon in our modern yeah. world. So one of know. the things, one of the things I've done, I have developed a flashcard. And you give me, when we get up, you give me your address, I'll send you one. And in this is doing basic things like asking you a question, what is Africa? Mm -hmm. A lot of the children thought Africa was in China. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, where is Africa to go, China? <laughs> what is Africa? And, and, and we have the, 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 the right answer that is Africa a river, a tree? A lot of people don't know it's a continent. They don't know how many countries. So I, I even have the map of Africa that I take with me. And so the, the flashcards basically... There's snippet of African history, African culture, geography, the highest mountain. And the children asked me to do this. I used to have it on um, the index cards. And I graduated to real, real cards. And the children from the worst, the more impoverished place, mm -hmm. they encouraged me. They were so happy when I, I made them. And uh, yeah, again, that's why I get my inspiration from the children. That's lovely. And I've heard you say on uh, another video recording I saw online that you say that teaching is storytelling and storytelling is teaching. I think that's yes. something a lot of adults could, could kind of use. So I, I'd love to you to walk us through that a little bit. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, when, when you're teaching somebody, okay, when you're teaching somebody how to do something, okay, you wanna say, and this is the analogy, I want you to put the pot on the stove. Well, then I'll start telling you about this part it's old, or I bought this pot recently, and I'm putting this much water into this pot because if I put less than that, it's gonna burn. So you see, I'm teaching and I'm telling you the story at the same time about the pot, about the stove, 
and and that that's that's what it's all about. So every story you're telling is you're giving directions. Yeah. In that story, so that that's what it is. Yeah. And uh, people think, oh, this is only for children. Okay, but somebody had to teach you to go across the street. Right. Somebody had to teach you about the stoplights. Right. Okay. And if you think you're too old for that, so are you ready to die, to, to just disappear? Because that's what you say. Yeah. Your brain is functioning, but you say, oh, I don't want any more information, really. You can't help it. You, you don't control the information that's coming and going. Right. And so basically, that's, that's what teaching is all about, the storytelling. You know, I also used to work with cancer patients uh, and I met a lot of people that were dying, but I, they didn't look like they were dying to me, but they, they were feeling it. And uh, I, I, I would find out that if this person was in so much severe pain, but the minute we got into the creative part of the, the activity, they forgot their pain. And they would say, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I don't feel any pain anymore. Because the brain, the mind has shifted. And, and so again, I learned about healing. I was in the process and didn't really understand that here I was working with severely ill people. And they, some of them used to ask me, am I going to die? And I was like, no, I don't know. I, I'm not a, a medical person. Mm -hmm. But they were just looking for straws. But all of them told me one thing. They're sorry that they didn't do more. Wow. They all were asking for more time. Yeah. Because now they will be able to do more. And that's... I don't want that to happen. I, 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 I love being busy. If I woke up with nothing to do, I don't know where I would put myself. Right. You know, I, so I don't take any sleeping aids because I'm, I do everything that I need to do. By the time I lie there a little bit, I'm gone. I can sleep standing up. <laughs> I love it. Now we're recording yeah. this, Vera, in the in the you know in the midst of a lot of turmoil out there in the world. And given everything you've shared today about the children, I'd love to know what their response is to what's going on, like in the Ukraine right now. Also, we've we're coming off the back of the pandemic and lockdown, and we're still trying to navigate how to live with with this virus. And I just wonder, I mean, what are the children? What's the meaning the children? What sense are they making? What stories are they telling about what is going on in the wider world right now? A lot of them are confused by it and they yeah. need adults to explain. But a lot of them, you know, what I like, I'm grateful that they're children because their attention span is limited. They start <laughs> in the trouble and they can pivot. You know, right. I like that. I like that right. about them. They don't linger. Right. And so that's what we use music. And, you know, like this one kid was playing the music of Louis Armstrong and the in the marvelous world. And this kid knew the lyrics. And I go, oh my God, you know the lyrics. How did you know the lyrics? She said, because I'm very smart. <laughs> I said, okay, yeah. So, uh, you know, music helps to take the attention of the negative. Yeah. And so that's why they are, uh, innocent children they, they they don't linger long and if you play, explain anything to them make it uh, breathe don't because you know they just want two words it'll be fine it'll be okay because they will tell you that right you know it will be all right you know children love to take their caretakers they love to take care of each other you know, when I uh, newly uh, relocated here, the kids used to say, we feel you. I didn't know what that meant. 
We would be saying something. I would be able, we feel you. Number one, they thought I came from Africa in the morning and went at home at night. Oh. Oh. So most uh, Americans have a difficult time with geography. Right. So what I had to do, because I taught them how to make presentations and they wanted to give me a purse. They collected money amongst themselves to give me this money so I can go back home to Liberia. So I, they said, we have a presentation because now I've been teaching them how to make presents. That's an African thing. We always like to go and make big speeches. And, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> they came and uh, they gave me the envelope and I opened it and all the pennies. And, I mean, they had a couple of dollars and they're running all over the place. And I'm going, oh my God. And then they said, what, it's not enough. And when I counted by $10, they said, what is this? It's not enough. And I had to run from the room because the tears were starting to fall. So I ran to the next room to look for the globe while I had time to dab my, my eyes. And I said, no, uh, I, I, this money can't take me to ask. So, but how much do you need to get home? We, you, we thought you miss your family. You always talk about Africa. You talk about them. So we need, we thought you didn't have money to get back. But look at the empathy mm. that they have been hearing from stories. Be kind, be nice, uh, sit with each other. Don't yell, don't, you know? And that's, I, I will never forget that story. It, they touched me, they warmed my heart. They're all grown now with their own families, but I could not believe that. So I brought the, the globe and showed it to them and they said, oh my God, so they, they didn't know. They thought Africa, I came in the morning, I went at home, and so they think, oh, you don't have money to get home. Hmm. But look at the empathy. The empathy. And most yeah. children are that way. Yeah. Most times, as I told you, they're always asking for food for to take home. They have other siblings. And so our food budget was increased to the point that we have enough food that any kid can take any amount of food they want. And if worse comes to worse, you can call me. I can bring more food. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, when you talked about teaching and storytelling, for me, sometimes when I think about teaching, it can feel a bit dry and a bit logical and a bit rational. Whereas when I think about storytelling, it's about catching those feels. It's about the emotions. It's about kind of like the, the texture of feeling you, like the kids said to you, like we feel I you, Auntie Oye, not just hearing you and seeing you. you know? I feel you. Yeah, I feel you. Like that is, I mean, that's an incredible education. I know. I, I know. You know, I work with some adults in C-level positions in boardrooms that don't know what that means yeah. in this day. So what you're doing here is, it's just incredible, I think. I, I really do honor the work that you do in the world because it's it's so needed. Like you said, you saw a problem and you knew you could do something about it. So you yeah. went ahead and did that. So yeah. I love that. Now, I'm noticing the time, so I do want to bring our conversation to a close, but I've loved every minute of talking to you, Vera. But I just want to ask you one final question. Like, if there's something you would want to share today, something that we haven't had time to get to, maybe some wisdom or something, some insights for our listeners, what might it be? Well, simple. Do what you like and like what you do. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's so all. simple. Do what you like. And like what you do. There's no, you don't have to be a magician. Just do that. Because what well, he was say, oh, how can I tell them? No, and the first thing I'm going to ask you, what is your hobby? Right. What do you like to do the most that nobody has to pay you to do? Right. If you can do that, that's it. So I do what I like and I like what I do. Yeah. If you don't want to pay me, that's not a problem. <laughs> as long as I'm enjoying myself. And so I'm going to start off with laughter, yoga, because I'm going to have fun. I'm going to laugh, okay? I am not going to be uptight and stressed. No, you're not stressing me. I'm going to have fun. 
I don't care who you are. You could be the biggest devil. You are not going to stop me. I'm going <laughs> to enjoy myself, okay? That's it. I'm going to have fun. Fantastic. So simple and yet so profound. Thank yeah. you. Do what you do and love what you do. Thank you so much, Vera. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. And I, I just know that our listeners will have got so many insights. And I, for one now, I mean, I have three children. They're all adults now, but I, I do have listen my first grandchild. Them. I know. Listen to them. Don't underestimate the power yeah, of the children them. in your life. Yeah. Ask, wow. ask questions. They, they want yeah. to tell you what to do. Yeah. They know something. Brilliant. I love it. Thank right. you so much. Okay. okay so I will send you an a email to get your address to send you the, the flashcards so you can see what I'm talking about. Thank okay? you. Thank and you. Thank Vera. you. It's been my pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. A big thank you to our sponsors, Coaches Business School, who are helping us to make a direct impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're a coach wanting to grow your impact, you will need to understand how to build a business that works at today. Check out Coaches Business School's unique frameworks and methods to help you grow your business in a way that works for you and your clients and helps make a meaningful difference in our world. Hashtag transition team. It's time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs from you. Together, we can make a meaningful difference. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com and our sponsors at coachesbusinessschool.com. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.